How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. Oh, God. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Hello and welcome back to Dynasty Crossroads. Uh, my name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here with Jake Anderson, Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. Um, we talk about one player at a time every week from both a film and a metric standpoint uh, to try and get a full perspective on a player to help you make decisions on what their value should be and if they should be a target or a sell candidate for your team, both in season long and in Dynasty. Jake, I think that's the most efficient I've ever done that intro if the most bored I've ever seen one doing it, which is uh, a complete lie. Um, how are you doing this week, um, and who are we going to talk about? Yeah, I'm doing very well this week. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Naheem Hines, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He was a fourth-round draft pick coming out of North Carolina State. He was a converted wide receiver um, that ended up playing really well at running back his his last year at North Carolina State. So that's the player we're going to break down. Um, yeah, running back and searching for a running back two or even running back one this year in season or in dynasty for that matter is really the issue of the moment, I think. We're seeing a lot of um, pass-catching running backs break out this year. So I really want, I'm really interested in, if, from a film perspective, if Naheem Hines looks just like a pass-catching back or if he has more upside and more flaw than that. Um, so why don't you start us off talking about what you see on tape and what type of player is this and um, actually i was thinking this this year <laughs> no uh this episode maybe we should start off talking about the situation and then get into the player i think the situation is pretty cloudy at this point and and really not that desirable uh no running backs have really done a whole lot in the rushing attack for indianapolis and it's just a it's really a murky situation and we're just kind of waiting for somebody to um, stand out or, or just do something. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of cl- I, I, I'm kind of indifferent with the the rushing game there, and uh, I know there was a lot a lot of Marlon Mack. Um, I don't want to say apologists or truthers, but um, a lot of people are expecting him to have kind of the breakout season, at least be the the main guy in that rushing attack, and he's been dinged up. Um, so just. You know they've done they did some work and improving that offensive line, uh, but there just really hasn't been much rushing anywhere in that offense. 
Yeah, uh, the Colts' backfield's like the Green Bay backfield. We've been talking about for years now, it feels like, when they get their running back, it's going to be a great opportunity, um, or Tampa Bay for that matter. We keep thinking that when they get someone into that role, they're going to be great. Um, unfortunately, it's it's a Charlie Brown football situation where we keep thinking we've found the guy or maybe someone that could be the guy, and it keeps getting yanked away from us at the last minute. Um, however, I do think, I don't know, uh, given his skill set and given the way the team's structured this week, this year, I'm getting my timelines messed <laughs> Your up. Your point of references are all over the place. But yeah, Naheem Hines' <laughs> skill set specifically interests me because of the way this team's structured this year. Um, this season, it definitely seems to be focused on that short area passing game, and I think he's someone that can excel in that. Uh, he, you know, he's a smaller guy, and we've talked a lot about smaller guys this season. Uh, he's 5'9", under 200 pounds, uh, not built horribly strong. He was a track, you know, he's a track guy at, at North Carolina State, so he's he tested well, and his his speed, and his burst scores were really good. He's fast. He's he ran under a four four. Um, so he's got the breakaway speed. He's got the endurance of a track runner, you know, to last fourth quarters. Like in inter- interviews, he said he thinks he's he's better than a lot of players in the in the second half of games, and that's when a lot of his big runs would happen because his endurance is really good. Um, listening to him talk, too, he just seems like a really smart, intelligent young man uh, with a good head on his shoulders. But just to, from a film standpoint, he's a guy that's that's – you know, that you would kind of predict a smaller running back to be where he's comfortable in space. Um, when he has a running lane, he's very good because he is explosive. Um, for being a smaller guy, for being a, a, a very good athlete, he does not have the twick, uh, quick twitch uh, movement skills in short area. His lateral agility is not very good. He has to kind of pitter-patter his steps to make cuts. Uh, he's not going to get jump cuts. Like if it's a very small lateral move when he's got a head of steam, he can make that move. Obviously, he's he's a good enough athlete in that regard. Um, his vision is pretty good. Um, I think he sets up defenders. He sh- he does show some patience in the backfield, so he's got good field awareness. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that stands in there. Pat Pat does much in pass protection. Uh, but he has a trump card. He really does. Like I said, he's a converted wide receiver. This kid could be special from a receiving standpoint out of that backfield. And you you nailed it right on the head when you talked about how this offense is structured for this year with a short passing game. And then, not to mention, T.Y. Hilton possibly being out multiple weeks in this offense. They need people to catch the ball. And Naheem Hines is a spectacular um receiver and I think that's going to be his role I don't see him ever doing a whole lot on the ground um you know at least from a high volume standpoint not to say he can't make some plays here and there um but he's definitely more of a wide receiver and that's kind of you know that's where he was being a converted wide receiver that's kind of his his lane his comfort zone um and I think he's really tremendous there for being especially a smaller guy uh, if you watch that play last week against the Texans where he had that little wheel route and then went up over Tyron Matthew and high-pointed the ball, got his feet in bounds, really spectacular play there and really showed his ball skills. And then he uh, took another – he had another reception, uh, receiving reception, touchdown um, on a little in route um, and took a little lick at the goal line. So 
Um, he definitely has a role, and I think that's going to be a safe floor for him. His upside is going to be capped, almost like a – I mean, I, I think he's much better of a receiver as a Buck Allen, but, you know, like if he can convert those reception touchdowns or, or knock one in on the ground, that's when he's going to have his blow-up weeks like he did last week. But he, I think he's more of a guy that's going to be that safe floor receiving back where – you know, he's going to get a handful of receptions, and if you can get some good yardage on that, you're looking at your, you know, 10 to 15-point kind of guy per week. Yeah, um, over the first four weeks of the season, he's had more receptions than he's had rushing attempts, and he certainly had more targets than he's had uh, <laughs> rushing attempts. So it's very much how they're using him, and I think he can definitely excel. Um, from a rookie standpoint, like you say, he converted from wide receiver, and he wasn't doing too much, actually, as a wide receiver, but the minute they... I'm pretty sure they converted him in his last year or just before it. In his last year, he blew up for 40% of the team's rushing attempts. Even before that, they were throwing him in as an occasional um, uh, trick player, I guess, player, um, with 9 and 2% of rushing attempts. But um, from that, he just exploded in terms of um, uh, production. He got 47% um, of the team's rushing yards. Um, his receiving totals actually dropped from the year before. He had about 8% in his first and last year of the team's reception, 16% in the second year. It just looks like a player who was a very dynamic weapon on a, a team that needed it. And reading into what happened that season, he really changed their season. Um, they had a much more successful season in that final year before Naheem Hines declared for the draft. Um, he turned their season around as well as their production, overall production in yards, and he was very much... Um, not the offense, but the central offensive weapon for that team. And even if you are worried about the level of play, um, you know, it, it's a, a big fish in a small pond type situation. Just because you're the best player in a small conference doesn't mean you can enter the NFL. But So it, it's really a question of how big a fish were you in that pond, right? It's... Um, uh, does your size <laughs> this is uh, this metaphor is going to get strained here um and Naheem Hines was was a really big fish compared to other players that have dominated production even at that level of competition he he really made a difference for that team um I think he's very versatile and like I say um just from watching him and the other things I can see in the way he's been playing early in his career here he's earned opportunity very early in a game that's specifically structured around his skill set. I mean, the team literally had um, Ty, um, literally had T.Y. Ty, Ty Hilton getting most of his passes under 10 yards uh, in terms of A dot. So this team was forcing players who excel down the field to play close to the line of scrimmage. There was some talk about this was how this was because Andrew Luck couldn't throw a football more than four yards or something that ridiculous. Um, I never really bought into that because I, I, we don't know, and we're never going to know. And I think fantasy stats are going to be less descriptive of his health than doctors. And doctors have declared him fit. And Andrew Lurk has declared himself fit to play football. And I think last week he kind of proved both of those things that should be more obviously true um, than you know how far you're throwing a football. Um, so I think this is a function of the team, and Naheem Hines just fits in perfectly to that, um, just like you said. Um, and from a player perspective, I, I definitely think this is a this is for real. I, I think he has this skill set. He's doing well, not because just of just because of Andrew Luck or just because of volume. 
Um, but uh, it's him. <laughs> so moving forward, I would expect him to continue to be that. I would expect him to continue to get um, at least five, six targets a game, and even you know four or five rushes. He hasn't had a game with less than five, less than four rushing attempts, and um, that's not much of a flaw, but I'll take it. And especially for an Andrew Luck receiver, frankly. Um, sure, <clears throat> I think I think another th- another thing to mention there is he did share the backfield with uh, another draft prospect um, from North Carolina State and Jalen Samuels. You know, he was that uh, hybrid player, the the tight end, H back, running back. So I think it was definitely impressive that he came in and uh, had as big of a role as he did with Jalen Samuels there. Jalen Samuels is no slouch in his regard and, and another really good receiving threat out of the backfield. Um, so I think he did have some competitions for targets there uh, in that regard. I think that's why his market share maybe wasn't quite as high as it may have would have been if he wasn't sharing that workload with, with another guy that could, you know, <laughs> kind of do some of the things, even though they're the different backs. Um, they're both, you know, receiving backs and, and, you know, Samuels was, like I said, a tight end and H back and he played all over the place. Um, so I think that's, you know, impressive. And then that can kind of, um, explain away some of his production, uh, in college and the receiving game. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I really am excited about, um, what he can do in the passing game and, and, you know, like these guys and, I don't have. I only have one share, and I, I wish I had more. But he was going a little bit earlier than I liked in rookie drafts. He was he was almost always going in the mid to late second round, and I just didn't see the value there. Um, just because Colt's situation was was murky at the beginning of the season in pre-draft process. You know, I, I actually did like Marlon Mack a decent amount. I thought he did have a chance to take over that backfield, um, but the way Naheem Hines has come in and demanded uh, 20, 26 targets in four games. And in one of those games, I think he only had one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's been ramping up his, his play time, his snap share. Uh, the last two weeks has been, uh, I think it was high 60s and then low 70s the last two games. And his market share of that passing offense is, is over 15%, um, which is right around his college high. So for me, there's definitely opportunity there with the T.Y. Hilton um, injury, and it was there before the T.Y. Hilton injury, so we're not banking just on that. I think he's carved out a nice role with the lack of receiving threats, and Andrew Luck's going to find the pl- people that can make plays for him, and I think uh, Naheem Hines could be you know, a really special guy that has a nice safe floor and, and can have some big weeks like he did last week. Yeah, and that year he had over a thousand rushing yards. He had 197 rushing attempts. He had 12 touchdowns. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry, or something close to that. It's just from memory, but I'm I'm pretty close, pretty on the money. Um, I think uh, because I've looked at his stats a lot, I ended up drafting him a lot. Um, but I, I think especially in season, people are less interested in, you know, the nuances of rookie evaluation. I, th- I think they're good with that. Um, Marlon Mack's an interesting point, um, especially because I don't think, I, like, I st- I'm still interested in Mack, frankly. Um, and the interesting thing to me is that him, if he broke out, I don't think that would affect Naheem Hines too badly. I'm really, I've just started to think of him as a specific role receiver um with a very small rushing floor um like 
we can get interested in Ryan Grant. So it's like getting Ryan Grant's production, but at running back. It's not spectacular, but I'll certainly take it. Um, and I honestly think he can produce a little better than someone like Brian Grant or Chester Rogers. I have some outside interest in Zach Pascal, but he's more of an unknown, and that's why, <laughs> more than anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like him. Um, moving forward, uh, what's his upside? What's his downside? Where's his value at? Like, um, are you trading Philip Lindsay for Naheem Hines, or are you trading Naheem Hines for Philip Lindsay? Put it that way. Oh, you know where I stand on this one. <laughs> uh, I, th- I I love Philip Lindsay, and I think Philip Lindsay's a more well-rounded running back. Uh, you know, between the tackles, we saw him get used at the goal line last week. Which I I I don't know if I mentioned this in our episode of Lindsay. They used Philip Lindsay on the goal line in, in, in University of Colorado a lot, so he showed that ability to be a tough. Um, Go line back for his size, but no, I would definitely trade Hines for Lindsay at this point. I would say Lindsay's worth a late first right now, and I think Hines is worth probably an early second. So I don't think it's it's too far off there. I would um, I put him more in that probably Matt Breida category, um, and you know that I, I like Lindsay more than more than Breida as far as long term outlook. Um, but I almost like Hines more than Breda um, because I think his his role is secure, and I think it's it could be secure for quite a while for years to come. Where I think Breda's, you know, next year I think he could you know be the backup again and not getting a whole lot of volume in that offense. And obviously Jarek McKinnon, if he's healthy, he's going to be the receiving back in that offense. And um, so yeah, I think he's right around there. How about what do you think? Um. Yeah, they're using the hell out of Lindsay. Frankly, I don't. Obviously, I don't know. I'd actually make that trade, <laughs> um, because I don't know you. Depending on your team, you're probably not getting much of an edge. I think week to week, you're probably, you're probably right. You'll probably take um, Lindsay um, over Hines just because they're using him so well. Just gonna be gonna be more consistent. Yeah. It, through four games, the Colts have the Colts have ran the ball eleven times inside the red zone, so inside the twenty yard line. And Naheem Hines has four of those carries. Uh, the next closest is Marlon Mack with three, and then Jordan Wilkins with three. So he's getting used in the red zone just as much. Speaking of Philip Lindsay getting red zone college carries in college, Naheem Hines is getting them in the NFL right now. Uh, and so that's pretty good. Uh, um, he's gotten, uh, I actually break that down for looking at expected value. He's actually gotten most of those inside the 20, but only one inside the 10. And so there's a little different there. But then again, because of the player, because of what we were saying about his role and um, the fact he's more of a receiver, um, he's also getting lot of those opportunities inside the 20 as a receiver. He's actually got three red zone targets. So inside the 20, he's been targeted three times and the Colts have actually thrown the ball 31 times in that area of the field. So three is not the highest number. Ebron, Hilton, obviously, are getting the majority of looks in that area of the field right now. But he's still getting some use. Um, and he's caught touchdowns on him. He actually caught two of those balls for touchdowns. Um, so... Yeah, he's not just being used as a receiver. He's being used as a receiver and a runner in the most valuable area of the field for the Colts. And like you're mentioning, they don't have a lot going on in the depth chart. <laughs> and so I think Hines could provide uh, some ups, definitely upside, maybe more value um, than 
we even think just talking about as him as Andrews like Andrew Luck's number two receiver or something of that nature, because he's also getting these rushing attempts inside the red zone as well. Um, you said he, you'd value him as like a second round pick. Is there a player you can equate to his value? Um, I'm just trying to think player wise. I mean, I think that Matt Breida is right there. You know, if I could if I could trade Breida for Hines, I think I would. Um, um for me, for my part, I'd probably. I, I consider him more valuable than um, a lot of these players we've got. I don't know. It's difficult to pass out with Lindsay because Lindsay's got more competition for this role in terms of, you know, um, uh, Freeman still there and doing a good job at what he does. But you're right that Lindsay's kind of being used as the main back in that in, in those situations. So um, despite being smaller than Hines and everyone being worried about his height and his weight as well, both of which are lower than uh, Naheem Hines, um, I can't say that one because you just said you're probably going to mention that. He he's definitely worth a second round pick to me. Um, just because of his role, if he gets a permanent role in the Andrew Luck offense, I want it, especially the short area of the field where Andrew Luck uses a lot. Sure. Uh, and right now the entire game scripts um uh, scripted towards looking at his ADP right now on DLF. He's actually being drafted around players like Austin Hooper, who I who I like a lot. He's also being drafted around um. Uh, according to the most recent DLF drafts, Alan Hearns and Dante Pettis. I, I would take Hines over all of those um, pretty easily. Um, Austin Hooper, if it's a premium, I might be more interested in Hooper. Depends what my running back situation looks like. But across positions, I think that's a pretty fair value. It's someone you're not expecting consistent production from, but you have the suspicion they could break out into full-time starters. Um, just in their respective positions, at least. Um, so right now, I think he's more of a value than he is um, anything else. As in terms of his um, the way he's playing on the field, um, he's playing well. And like we don't have running back efficiency metrics that are worth a damn. But where he's mostly playing the pass catching role, he's also playing it close to line of scrimmage, like I mentioned. So his uh, his um, receiving stats are better comparable to tight ends more than wide receivers. Running back air yard efficiency metrics I have found to be less descriptive or even useful um, in terms of running backs just because they're catching balls so close to the line of scrimmage most often. Uh, Naheem Hines, for example, is getting most of his targets around um, three yards down the field. His dot is literally 2.9, I think. Um, four... Uh, tight ends or for running backs, he's been extremely efficient at turning those into receiving yards. Um, his racer is something uh, like 1.87, uh, which is decidedly above average for that area of the field for tight ends and for running backs. So I'm not even comparing them to wide receivers. So I definitely like that. Um, but again, because of where they're getting their targets, it's really hard to judge even their receiving work. Um, so that's the difficulty with running backs in general, even running backs who are mostly pass-catching backs, there's not a great way to actually measure how well they perform. So what I wanted to ask you is how well does he look on film, both as a runner but also as a receiver, like comparing him or his performance to other players on the field or other players playing in that area of the field. I think that's something Tate can help me out with. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about comps and, and player profiler had him comp to Danny Woodhead and... Honestly, I think I like that. I think I like that comp actually. Like, 
Um, That's really interesting because one of the things I know about Woodhead is he was a surprisingly good runner. Didn't look like he should. Was definitely the wrong size, but was just good at finding creases. Are you saying that, or mostly that it's? I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit more on the receiving skill set. How how and. Danny Woodhead was phenomenal receiver as a running back, and I think that's that's where I see the comparison. I think Woodhead was actually a little bit better in between the tackles, um, right. but I think it's a fair comp, and I, I really think Hines has the potential to be like like a top ten pass catching running back in the league. You know, like kind of on par with maybe a James White, um, which I think he's actually more skilled than James White as a receiver now. But he doesn't play for the Patriots, so play, let's not go too crazy. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I really think he's he's that kind of he he's that special as a receiver. I mean, and if you had any any questions about it, you you watched that pass. He and he made some plays in college too, like that. Um, you know, he'd be streaking down the field, and and he'd have yards of separation. And that wide receiving background really helps him out um, finding space in zones. Um, you know, just having really good awareness for running routes um, and where defenders are on the field. I think he's really good there. Ball tracking is really good. His hands are super solid. Um, and you don't see running backs high point balls very often. You really don't, hmm. especially a 5'9 running back. And that play over Tyron Matthew last week was, I mean, it was almost jaw-dropping. It was that good. Um, so if you had any issues with with his skill set like i understand as a runner but this kid could be special as a receiving back and that's why i like him and that and that's why i think his floor and his sustainability is is i mean the the crazy thing is i might feel safer about him than Lindsay long term because i think you know there's a lot of questions about Lindsay, like how many running backs his size hold up you know, for more than a season or even a season. Right. Um, and I think he could be an outlier there, but I think... I mean, d- don't worry, Jake. You sold me on it. You don't have to go further than su- <laughs> comparing a guy to Danny Woodhead. I'm like, I have been missing that guy since he left. Me so too. I, I'm, me too. Cool. That's good. If, I, if you're seeing Danny Woodhead or a receiver, I'm all in. I'd take him over high, uh, Lindsay. Why not? Let's go. Well, the thing is, he's on, he's on pace for over 100 targets and almost 90 catches which isn't going to happen but i mean you have to imagine that he's going to get he's going to easily get over 50 catches this year if he stays healthy um and that's that's like floor for him so it's in the range of outcomes that he gets 60 70 catches in his rookie season so we saw what that did for chris mccaffrey as a rookie without doing a whole lot in the running game um, he could be become one of Andrew Luck's favorite targets in that passing game. Um, and again, I feel really good about that being sustainable for for multiple years, which uh, with Breida, I really don't feel that way. With Lindsay, I want to feel that way, but I do have some concerns um, just because how physical he is and, and him holding up at that size would be a complete outlier, which where Hines in his role wouldn't be an outlier. Um, you know, it's amazing that he's had so many targets. Those two games, right? Doesn't he have two games with uh, double-digit targets? Well, close to it. In the first game, he had nine targets. In the last game, he okay. had 11. So pretty close. So it averages out there. But, yeah, and he had one really poor game there. 
I think he had one target. Yeah, that was against Washington where the whole, uh, the whole team, I think, was struggling a little bit. I, yeah. I think it is just worth revisiting that um, the guy he's got at quarterback is a serious difference maker. Um, and not just because he's a receiving weapon, but we always talk about, you know, um, quarterbacks making life easier for running backs. So even as a runner, I think definitely as Luck finds his pace this season, I don't expect him to return to his top five form this year. But I definitely think last game he showed that he's dangerous even with receiving weapons that don't run routes further than 40 yards down the field. He process, yeah, I mean, he processes the field. He reads oh defenses. And he's going to take what's given. And that's, yeah, and that's another reason why I really like Hines in that offense. What else is it to talk about here? Um, would you go out and trade for him is really the question I'm building up to. I kind of throw it at you before, but like, um, yeah, I mean, he just had a big game that's normally the wrong moment. But sometimes, yeah. you know, you, like we said before, you buy a player when they show they're going to do well, right? Is this one you going to lean into the performance on that's a that's a really good question and honestly i haven't given it a whole lot of thought um well you, you draft running backs more almost exclusively in the first 10 rounds so you probably don't need a Heinz. but for us that have been fading running backs for, before it was cool it's it's kind of a question so do we that's um, i mean that's i, I think we that's do fair i mean a lot of my teams do have strong running back play um it's not true that I always draft a lot of running backs. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to definitely, I mean, every time we do a podcast, I want to go trade for that player. So I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. <laughs> and so far, it's been uh, like, coincidentally, every player we've spoken about tends to have done well yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Like uh, we, we can argue about Matt Breeder a bit for a while again, if you want. But I, I, I think we've. Just by we're not trying to do that. We're not like which which player is going to do well the week after, but and we always haven't always agreed on these players necessarily either, which is which is fun and exciting. And I think we've been on a nice streak here with picking the right players to talk about, um, because that's the thing with that. That's the beauty of dynasty. I mean, redraft too, I guess. But I think trading in redraft is just so much harder than in dynasty. Um, but that's the beauty of Dynasty is that, you know, Heinz isn't going to be on waivers. But um, a lot of these guys, you know, aren't on waivers. But it doesn't end there. You know, there's there's ways to acquire these guys that, that you won't have in redraft. You know, like, you'd have to pay crazy amount for Heinz in redraft because he's a hot waiver wire guy right now. Um, I think you can... You might be able to, especially if Hines is on a roster where they're loaded at running back, um, you could definitely squeeze him out if, if a team needs tight end help, if a team needs wide receiver help. Um, and, you know, we talked about Quincy Nunwa. I think that's a good breaking point there. He's um, like a middle, middle you know, I, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he's that solid second round worth kind of wide receiver, right? And I said I wouldn't trade Breida for him. Um or I wouldn't trade him for Breida, but I would trade him for Hines for sure. So I think um, a player kind of in that range. Um, I wouldn't trade. God, that's tough. I, mean, I just John Brown is playing so good right now, and and, and knock on wood, I hope to God he can stay healthy. Um, just because I love him as a player, but I don't know if I'd go that far. I think I, I have Brown higher than that. I think I think Brown is worth. You know, that kind of late first right now. And I don't think anybody's going to sell for less than that. 
I, um, I think you're framing think it the right way, though. I think it's an interesting, would you buy him or would you want to go get him in Dynasty? I think that's the interesting question with a, you know, a pass-catching running back. And I think I really would well, yeah. with And the name that I'm well, going to throw at you here, I would go trade, if I had him anywhere, Geronimo Allison for Naheem Hines. What do you think of that one? Oh, in a, in a heartbeat, I would in Dynasty. That's a great name, actually. I think you might have to throw a little on top. Um, and I'd be fine with just it. because with this put a third yeah with this week with the with the yeah with the concussion history you know issues coming up with Geronimo and you know if people are paying attention to that they might be a little wary of that but I think that's a great name to be able to sell. Um, like I say, I think there's upside there is the way I'd say it. This guy is proving to be a good pass catching running back with a slightly larger average depth of target than most running backs. And I think if he can develop or get more of a role in that um, running back side of his running back role, then he could really sustain value. Again, the upside here is Danny Woodhead, and that's just a player you want to get in on early in Dynasty. I really do think. Um, yeah, like a better, like a like a better version of Theoretic. Yeah, honestly, right. and Theoretic caught eighty passes one year and fifty passes a bunch of years, so. Um, you know, that's the kind of player that you can be getting. Theoretic had plenty of value for years there. Um, oh, so God. on that, I think we'll get you out of here. Um, I do have one request of you. Please go to iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, fill out a review or click on those stars. Let us know how we're doing, what we can do better, or why everyone should listen to us, just because it would be nice to have some reviews. So if you could do that, it would be great. i really appreciate it. Um, hit us up on Twitter, at PA Howdy for myself at Jake Anderson FF for Jake or at Dynasty Crossroads just for both of us for this podcast. And so thanks again for checking us out and we will see you again next week. I've had fun like I always do and I'll see you next week at the Crossroads. Later. You're at the Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. Oh God. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Honestly, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. Crossroads where film is everything. The dynasty crossroad where numbers are the king. There may not be consensus, but we'll give you everything.